Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Tuesday, July the 27th. I hope you're doing okay. And first, the bosses of a Kent brewery that lost 8,000 litres of beer following a fire are promising to come back from it. A 17th century barn at the Good Things Brewing Co near Tombridge Wells was struck by lightning and destroyed on Sunday night. Its owner, Chris Drummond, says it's happened at the worst possible time. He's been speaking to our reporter, Phil Welbrook. Andy, who lives on site, um, does a lot of work for us here. Um, he was here, some lightning struck and he saw sort of a big flash. Power went out over in his house where he lives, the other side of the farm. Um, and then next thing you know, he's, he's looking out the window, he thought sort of huge fog had come in and realised it was a bit more than that. Um, and then within I think about two, three minutes of the lightning strike, the, the whole barn was in flames and by the time he was out here, there was, there was nothing he could do really. In terms of where you guys go from here, obviously I understand you had a number of orders put in and obviously a number of clients. I mean, what kind of happens there going forward? Um, yeah, so we and it, it, we just met up as, as a team just now um, to go through you know, what, what happens, what we do, what we leave live, what we don't. Um, we had a lot of a stock in, in the same barn, so um, and also probably about £65,000, £70,000 worth of beer in tanks that was all ready to come out. It was all being launched today, or was meant to be launched today, um, and ready to be canned and, and go out the door. So a lot of our orders were already held up inside the tanks, um, as mentioned from the delayed kind of molten hops we've had since the end of, say, end of coronavirus. But since people have been brewing, you know, fully again in all the breweries across the UK, yeah, it's, we've had we've had offers from um, brewers all over the country. Um, you know their support and which has been incredible um you know we're in this industry because of how the industry is um it's such a beautifully connected industry where um we've had support throughout you know from day one of, of starting good things um and it just accentuated again in the last 24 hours so that's incredible i think we need to just have a look at what that what that looks like for us for our customers we have contracts in place as well that we'd, we'd like to keep going. So um, I think they're the most important first and then we'll work back from there. Um, it may be that we're going to be brewing in a new brewery somewhere um, for a while um, or setting up a brewery somewhere else. Um, I, mean, you can, I think you can see from here that the build here is 12, 18 months uh, minimum. It's it's going to be a big one. It's um, you know, You've probably got... A couple of months just getting rid of what's left here now and making it safe to be a site again and, and then going again. Well, more than £9,000 has been donated to an online fundraising page to help rebuild the business. Kent Online News. A promising footballer with dreams of playing professionally has been left paralysed from the waist down after falling from a cliff in Ramsgate. 17-year-old Fraser Jardine broke his back after slipping on some rocks during a day out at the beach with friends a week ago. He was due to have a trial with a Spanish club later this year. His sister says they're devastated about his injuries but glad he's alive. An anime-loving fantasist has been jailed for a year after using Japanese cartoons to groom a 12-year-old girl. 30-year-old Adam Elterbeeb from Eden Avenue in Chatham had met the girl at a cosplay convention in London before engaging in sexual conversations with her. He was later found with 3,000 indecent images on his computer. 
And there's a warning thousands of households in Kent are at risk of homelessness if temporary government funding is stopped. An independent report says money to provide emergency accommodation should continue long term ahead of an expected rise in rough sleeping this winter. Earlier, Ishmael Kawaja spoke to Chris Thomas from Kent-based homeless charity Porchlight. There are a lot of people right now who are in a really precarious position. Um, We're quite worried that people, a lot more people are going to become homeless unless the government acts quickly. We believe that there are thousands of households in Kent who who are at risk of homelessness because throughout the pandemic, you've had people who have lost jobs. They've been trying to kind of survive on furlough. Um, They may have been issued an eviction notice. Obviously, there was a ban for quite a long time for for people being able to be evicted, but now that's been lifted. And I guess the other factor is is people whose mental health was was bad, like before the pandemic started, um, it's most likely got worse. And that can play into homelessness as well. So there's a lot going on. And as we, we start to come out of the pandemic, we're really worried that there are a lot of people who are there are a real risk of, of losing their home. To start with the universal credit, um, there, you know, there are a lot of people out there on low incomes and, and they're really struggling uh, to survive. And um, what we really need is for the government to recognise that, that this kind of support uh, was inadequate before the pandemic began. Um, and taking away this extra money that that people have been getting is just going to put them in an even worse situation. Um, So we just need the government to learn the lessons from the crisis and and put better support in place, longer-term financial support. Porchlight was heavily involved in this Everyone In scheme, which, when the pandemic started, uh, put all these measures in place to get rough sleepers off the streets and into safety. Obviously, the government um, put a lot of money into that. And it went to show that when the government's serious about tackling rough sleeping, it can be done. Um, but with this, this potential wave of homelessness that's, that's, you know, that may happen soon, um, we need more support there. We, we can't go back to the way things were. We, now, we know from, from the last year and a half that rough sleeping can, can be tackled essentially so we we agree with the report um there needs to be proper funding to make that happen also if the government's serious about ending homelessness it needs to address the causes of homelessness so you know that's the uh welfare support that that people have been getting is it's not really enough to live on and that needs to be improved um there needs to be more done just to tackle poverty which is a massive driver, you know, So in, in homelessness. It, it, it's the cause of a lot of homelessness. And we still need to address the, the country's housing crisis. We need affordable homes for people. We need more funding uh, for homelessness services. Um, and I suppose that's the services that help people who are on the streets. And it's the services that prevent people from ending up on the streets. And, you know, we understand that the country is facing enormous financial challenges right now. But now really is the time to protect vulnerable people and ensure that the the pandemic doesn't push them further into hardship. Now, university students in Kent have been telling us what they think about the idea of having to have both coronavirus vaccines to attend lectures and live in halls. The government's considering plans to make it mandatory, but only half of 18 to 29-year-olds in the county are thought to have taken up the offer of a first jab. Sophia Atkin is going into her final year at the Uni of Kent and thinks it could make campuses feel safer. Personally, I'm not really 
worried about having to have both jabs to attend lectures um, and stay in the halls because I'm going to be living in a house anyway, so I won't need to stay in halls. But I've already had my first jab um, and I'm going to be getting the second jab soon. So it's not really a problem for me. Um, and obviously I'll be having tests all the time going into uni. Obviously it is a practical course. Um, it's obviously, it might be a little bit more worrying for international students who have, um, who might not have as much access to vaccine, um, to the vaccine in their country or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm not too worried. It's more just generally daunting, like obviously studying in a pandemic because most, all three of my years will have been affected. Um, last year was really, really bad, obviously. Uh, so in a way, I think it's kind of, it's going to be more safe studying, knowing that people might be double jabbed. But obviously, you don't want to have to like force people to do it. Um, I think people should have that freedom. And, you know, the people that aren't double jabbed do have that option of studying from home is a little bit more difficult because obviously I'm studying journalism so it's a practical course but it's not really a concern for me. The only concern is obviously some people are worried about getting the vaccine because there's potential side effects and then it is kind of unfair that those students might have their learning um, affected because then they feel like there's like university isn't allowing them to come in but at the same time, I can understand why, like personally, I would feel more comfortable being somewhere where I know people are like double vaccinated. But yeah, as I said, I do think there should be that freedom of choice. Meanwhile, Rodri Andrews is a final year student planning to start a year in French language in September after testing positive for coronavirus three weeks ago. The day he was booked to receive his first jab, he now faces a delay in becoming fully vaccinated. If they stop anyone coming from lecturers who haven't had the double jab by September, that's going to be huge for me because I have every intention of getting both jabs. But because I caught it on the day I was meant to get the first one and you can't have it within four weeks of testing positive, it means I can't have my first jab until August. And if I follow the eight weeks, that means I won't be getting my jab, second jab in September. So this rule in cases like mine is actually pressuring people to get their second jab earlier than recommended which doesn't give a stronger uh, protection. And I can't see myself enjoying next year at all if I'm not having in-person lectures. Last year was hell. It's, for certain subjects, it's just impossible to concentrate over a Zoom call. You've got every possible distraction going and I can't cope with that. We did have a meeting for the course next year and this lecturer was lovely, but even through her best efforts, I, it's still just so hard to get anything out of a Zoom call. And when I'm studying something like French, where communication is vital, me being locked away in a room from a class is going to have a huge effect on how much I can actually be taught. Um, I think in the long term, encouraging people to get both vaccines is good, but I think there has to be, 
it shouldn't be blanket rules apply for all. There should be clear exceptions where, in my case, I want to get the vaccine, but this will have a, a massive impact on my education, and it shouldn't be like that. And because I've already had it, I'm not a huge risk of getting it again anytime soon and then passing it on again. So it seems, it just seems unfair. And again, like much of this pandemic, it feels like as a student, you're being forgotten, particularly as a university student, because we're, we're not treated the same as colleges or secondary schools. And you just feel left behind and just heartbroken in a sense, because we lost two years of our uni life, basically. And I don't want to lose another one. Well, the University of Kent says they encourage eligible students to get a vaccine and the safety of their entire community is at the heart of their plans. Kent Online News. Now, here's something you could be able to try out soon as two old shipping containers are going to be transformed into a new seafood restaurant overlooking Whitstable Harbour. The Whitstable Oyster Company wants to put the units on top of each other at the South Quay. Now, people dressed as Death, the Devil and Elvis have applied to work on a ghost train on Sheppey. The Smiths Family Fun Fair has been looking for someone scary while they're in Laysdown. Carlos Christian from the Fun Fair gave his verdict on the young applicants. Well, it's been good fun. It's been really good fun. Um, our three candidates have got the trouble to turning up and helping us out today. They've all been fantastic sports. Um, they've all come in character and not broken character, albeit they're three completely different characters. We certainly wasn't expecting Elvis Presley to come to the visitors. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't really think there's a clear winner, if I was to be perfectly honest with you. So um, I think at this point, it's a complete and utter tiebreak. Where you can see all the audition videos at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online Sport. And in football, Gillingham have completed the signing of Chelsea goalkeeper Jamie Cumming on a season-long loan deal. The Jules boss says the 21-year-old, who played for League Two Stevenage last season, will compete for a starting place with fellow new signing Aaron Chapman. Meanwhile, the Jules welcome Millwall to Priestfield in a pre-season friendly this evening. They'll be hoping for another positive result after their 2-0 win against Colchester on Saturday. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.